welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. I am thrilled and excited. I'm joined today uh, by John Register. John Register is a phenomenal person. He's gone through uh, personal challenges and has literally made lemonade out of lemons. And I think anybody listening today could certainly learn from his experiences. Anybody who says, oh, what was me? I can't handle, I can't whatever. You need to stop what you're doing and listen to his story. It is incredible. It's inspiring. He inspires me and it's a pleasure to have him. Welcome, John, how are you? Dr. D, thank you so much. <laughs> I am on and ready to go. I mean, wow, I cannot believe I'm talking to you right now. You have a great following, great listenership, and I can't wait for you to continue to change lives. Well, thank you so much. I think, uh, you know, we, we um, like-minded like people find each other all the time. So, so it's a good thing that we, that we, pass, we are, are cross-passed uh, on LinkedIn of all places. LinkedIn, we've got to plug LinkedIn again. I mean, they're, they're pretty phenomenal in terms of how, they, how you can network. So it is, it is actually my honor and it's a privilege to have you on today. And, and let, let's get right into this. So can you just tell our, the listeners who you are and what brought you to where you are right now? Wow, now that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let, let me kind of, I'll, I'll go back and just try to kind of piece it together quickly. Um, you know, athletics has always been a part of my life and I've wanted to go to the highest level of athletics in the, at the Olympic games. So I ran track and field for the University of Arkansas, became a four-time All-American there, went to two Olympic trials. And at the same time, uh, after my graduation from the University of Arkansas, joined the United States Army, the Army had a program called the Army's World Class Athlete Program, which allows a soldier athlete to train for the Olympic Games for two years, three years prior. It's now a four-year yeah. program. Mm -hmm. But on my way to that program, Operation Desert Shield Desert Storm came up, and it cut my training short as I went to the Gulf War uh, to serve our country in that capacity as a, as a service member there. And so when I came back, had a, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I, when I came back, I, I didn't have a lot of time to try to make the 400-meter hurdles. And I wound up um, qualifying and finishing up uh, 17th in that year, which I think was 1992 down in New Orleans. Uh, and then I was transferred. I was transferred to Germany, and I continued to run, got back on the world-class athlete program team. And on, on May 17th, 1994, when I was training um, for my third Olympic trials, I was on my way to officer candidate school. I have my whole life ahead of me. And at 529 in the afternoon, I was at that point, top 10 hurdler in the United States, top 20 in the world, had a really good shot at making the Olympic team in 96. In fact, USA Track and Field News is picking to win uh, or at least make the team uh, to go and represent our country in Atlanta. And I misstepped a hurdle at 529 in the afternoon, came down wrong, hyperextended my left leg, severed the artery behind the kneecap, and seven days later was faced with the decision whether to keep the limb 
and use a walker or a wheelchair for the rest of my life or undergo an amputation and use a prosthesis for the rest of my life. Wow. And the doctor gave me that choice. I'm like, what kind of choice is that? So hmm. in that moment, I think a lot of us have these struggles that we come through and we're trying to see how do we overcome the adversity, but the adversity is right there. It's on, it's on us. It's pressing upon us. Who are, who's in our life and how we manage that is really the impetus of the entire rest of the story. So for me, when I was struggling with my identity, who I am, is my wife going to stick around? My son still see me as his dad. Mm -hmm. um, will I still have a job in the army? Will I still be employable? Yeah. All these things were hitting my, how do I support my family? My Olympic dreams are over. My career going in the, in the military to officer candidate school and being 20 year lifer is over. How do I rebuild this? And I'm not even in the, in the aspect of rebuilding. I'm just trying to figure it out. My wife in that moment, she says to me, you know what, John, we're going to get through this together. It's just our new normal. And when she spoke those words, she really baselined my entire existence. And I began to understand and come to realize that for me, the new normal was not a destination or getting back to a place where I once was. The new normal was actually a plateau to grow. Mm. Uh, and I began focusing on that back then. I wish I would have coined the term or bought the trademark on it because I'd be a billionaire right now with everybody using the term the new normal. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I swam for physical therapy. I got myself, because I, be, I believe in developing a ritual, the ritual uh, that will lead on to a rhythm, so you get comfortable doing it. And then mm -hmm. the rhythm elevates us in our rise. And mm -hmm. as I built this, I swam for physical therapy, and I got so fast, pouring all my efforts into it, I made the Paralympic swim team. Now, the mm -hmm. Paralympic Games, for those that don't know, are for athletes with disabilities, physical disabilities, and visual impairments. It's not the Special Olympics. Special Olympics are cognitive disabilities, while this is our, this games are for, it's the parallel games to the Olympics, hence the word mm -hmm. Paralympics, parallel, parallel to what? The Olympic games. Oh, well, I didn't know so, that. Huh. Right, so it's gold, silver, and bronze medals. Yeah. You have to qualify and you, you go, it's, it's competition, mm -hmm. one against the other. So, and you, and you are awarded gold, silver, or bronze for mm -hmm. your effort. Uh, so I made the Paralympic swim team Fish out of water. I didn't, I didn't know how to really swim. Started swimming and I made the team. It was there at those games, though, that I saw athletes running on artificial limbs. I decided to have a leg made for running. And four years later, won silver, which is somewhere around here. Here it is. Won the okay. silver medal in the long jump in Sydney, Australia. Awesome. And uh, became one of only two amputees at the time to jump over 17 feet without a leg or a knee. And so that's kind of the encompasses the story, but where I think the conversation might be able to go is kind of what comes after. So we think once we've made it, we've, we've, we've gone on and you know, 20 years worth of work culminates in a silver medal, having to relearn how to run and all these things. But I really believe that there are a lot of people out there that have these fears and yes. the fears are holding them back from what will springboard them to their new normal existence, that plateau to grow. And so I was very fortunate to build on the, with the Paralympic Military Sport Program, hired by the United States Olympic Committee. And I founded this program called the Paralympic Military Sport Program, which served wounded, ill, and injured service members to use sports as a tool for their rehabilitation. And mm -hmm. it turned, it just went ballistic, right? It just blew up, uh, so to speak, no, no pun intended. 
And, the, um, and those service members are now competing on Paralympic teams, Warrior Games, Prince Harry's Invictus Games, and a myriad of other, you know, a group of disability uh, groups around the country that are servicing our wounded, ill, injured service members. So it became really powerful. Uh, and then I walked away from it in, in a year ago because it got too big for, my vision was too big for the program. And, and uh, so, cause I wanted to take it to another stratosphere yeah. and I couldn't do it inside of the same uh, company that I was working for the Olympic committee. And we're just growing, you know, kind of apart. So, you know, and, and, and things happen, we can shift and we, yeah. we move. And so no, there are no hard feelings. I just, you know, it was just time to, once again, yeah. I can't, I couldn't make that a destination at the Olympic Committee. I, I parked there for 15 years and there was time, plateau to grow once again. And I, and I love what you shared here. And actually I was able to see the uh, Invictus Games a few years ago in Toronto and that was just unbelievable. Um, right. The, 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 the the, the, it's amazing to see the, the, the capacity that human beings have um, to adapt, to, to try, to achieve. I mean, it was, it was I loved it. And I, I attended it with um, one of my daughters. And, um, you know, it, I think that was a, a, a definite um, learning opportunity for her to see, you know what, that um, people are living. And, and I want to talk about the stigmas uh, with people with disabilities shortly, but I just want to go back to what you shared. I want to unpack what you said. Sure. Um, in the instance, in that moment where you broke your leg and in a moment's notice, your identity just shifted. Um, you had to, you had to, you, you, now you went from an elite athlete and now you were deciding whether you should keep your leg or not. And then you thought about your, your how, will your wife be there to support you and, and, and will she still be there and, and how your, how your son will, how your son would, would approach you. How did you deal with that? Like, did you, was it, was it, was it everything at once? Um, were you given the space to tackle one thing at a time? How did you, I'm just trying to figure out how did you actually achieve what you've done? Because it's remarkable that, 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 that you were able to pull yourself through that, let alone get back to a level where you're, where you're, where you're getting a silver medal. So I'm just trying to figure out how did, what was your process? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. And it took me a long time to process that on how I came over or through it, right? Uh, so to, uh, first of all, uh, I already had some things in place that made that process easier. And some mm -hmm. people I think just don't have that. So number one, I had a very strong faith, faith in God, right? So that was number one. And knowing that this injury happened, it was, my life was not to go to officer candidate school, as I thought, or to the Olympic Games, as I thought. There was something else that was mixing, and I saw that pretty quickly, right? Mm. Um, secondly, I, my wife and I were struggling at that point. We, our marriage was like teeter-tottering, because I had been away in the military on a non-command-sponsored non tour in Germany while she was back home in Arkansas. And we were really, we were really struggling at that point. Um, and when she came in, I, we began to understand how we were rocks for each other, mm. that we could undergird each other and support each other. And I don't think we would have had that had the injury not have happened. Wow. So when she said, this is just our new normal, all of that was encompassed in the relationship that we had that was faltering and now began to find this, this, um, this foundation yes. that we could actually grow on. Yes. With John Jr., 
he solidified her statement of the new normal because I was a wreck. I was outside in this wheelchair, one leg, and I'm parked in front of the swing sets about 15 yards away. My wife and my son are playing on the swings. He's five and a half years old. And all of this was crushing on me at once. Like you said, did it incrementally come in? It was all at once. I was thinking about a lot of things. And it's the same way I think about things now. I have to mind map on a board because I get all these, all these inputs. Hmm. And if I don't corral them and capture them, I'm chasing after stuff, right? Um, so I couldn't synthesize and put it all into one thing. And I, and it just, I just broke down because I, all of that of, is she going to stay? Do I have a relationship with her? What's going to happen with my son? Does he still see me as dad? You know, how do I support them? She's in Arkansas. I'm still in Germany. How do I get my stuff back from Germany? Where am I going? You know, am I going to be in the military? All these things were bombarding me in that moment. But I didn't realize it at that time. That took a long time to go back and really figure that out. And it happened before my first TEDx talk because I didn't think I had something to say. And that's when I unpacked it, I began to understand what you were saying for other people. How do you go? What's the process? Well, the first one was actually identifying the fear. Mm -hmm. And... Oftentimes, we don't identify the fear. We just want to jump to the next thing. So as I unpacked it, the fear for me was how was I going to show up in society again with this artificial leg? How would people see me? How would they view me? How would they treat me? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the first instance was I just want to go back to the way it was. We're in this COVID situation or whatever situation that we might be in. And people are, are ready to go back. They want to go back to the way it was. But there's no going back there. That's right. And and because there's too much, there's too much separation, there's too much water under the bridge. Yes. And we've learned too much during this time period. And that's what I was experiencing. So I was beginning to understand um, to think I was trying to get it back again. If I just get my life back again, we hear those words all the time. If I could just get back to the way it was. Yes. Secondly, it was the way of other individuals, other people who were in my kind of inner circle, the closer circle, people who knew me. They wanted me back in the same way or treat me the same way that I was back then. Other people believing for me what I could or could not do, which was based upon what they believed they could or could not do if they were in my situation. That's right. Right? So that was level two. Level three was societal. Mm -hmm. Who had I listened to? Who had I allowed into my brain to make me think that I was less than, less capable. Alice wouldn't stick around. I wouldn't have a job. John Jude's not going to see me as his dad. Yeah. Who, was, who told me that? To have those fears in the first place. Was it when I watched a Disney movie? I see Captain Hook and the, he's the villain in the movie Peter Pan. He's, an, he's a, above the, um, the wrist amputee because he got his arm bit off by TikTok, the cro crocodile. Mm. But he's dark. He's scary. He's mysterious. He's the amputee. He wears a hook. Yes. And I see these things as a child and I'm afraid of that. So every time I'm in an aisle and I see a person that doesn't look like me, that might be an amputee, I, I pull on my, my mother's skirt and my dad's pants leg. And I say, look, dad, look, mom, look at them, look at them, look at them as I'm pulling. Yeah. And I'm understanding this from the concept of a societal impact because I don't know if this is right or not. And my reaction to how I'm going to respond to that will be to the major influences are in my life. And, and, and what you're saying is, is so huge because oftentimes we substitute other people's opinions and what society says things are or who people are um, for our own judgment. And um, what you're saying is, is so profound and I, and, and, and I love 
the point that you made about people, uh, you said it more eloqu eloquently than me, but I, I um, just having gone through my own tragedies, for example, losing, losing like a parent and, and, and in, in adult education, there's something called a disorienting dilemma. So, yeah. which means that something major happened in your life that, um, and then once it's happened and you get beyond it, you can't be the same person again. You just, you can't go back to who you were. It just, you're, you're forever changed. And, and, and in that regard, when you, when you go through that transformation and you change, that sometimes um, makes other people uncomfortable. And that makes other people want you to, 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 to go back to who you were. And, you, and, you, and, and you're so changed, you're so transformed, you can't. So sometimes it actually does lead to um, cutting off relationships, starting new ones, starting new, new, new um, hobbies or whatever. So, so I, I love what you're, you're sharing because in essence, it's, 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 I wouldn't say simplicity, it's going with the flow, but it's, it's surrendering and saying, you know what, this happened for a reason and what are you gonna do now that it's happened? Right, you're exactly right. And, and we listen to those voices and all this is jumbled up in one, that's why I had to unpack it, right? Because it's all jumbled up in the one thought process, this big ball uh, that was in my head and I had to really dissect it and it took me a while to dissect the pieces. I mean, when I say a while, I'm talking like 10, 15 years to really understand wow. what that was, yeah. was all about. And so the next piece of it was once you identify that fear and then the other people that are believing for you what they, like, like I was said, what, they, what I could or could not do based on what they believe they could or could not do if they were in my situation. Mm -hmm. And then third, the societal, now we're on a pathway because there's some choices we have to make as you, as you said, as you stated. So first is I believe I'm rebuilding. Hmm. And we know that because of the word selections that we make during that time, we know where somebody is on the path. If I just get it back, like you said with your parents, I want, I want to go back to the way it was, but we don't, we can't get back there. And I would say even in the micro, we don't get it back because too much time, time has passed. That's we right. can't, we, we, ne we cannot go back into the past. That's right. But we try to hang out there mm -hmm. based upon what we think the experience that we'll get in the future is based upon that. So we don't hang out in our present. So therefore mm -hmm. I think, and this is my brain, what I unpacked was every time I said, um, overcoming my adversity, people thought what I meant was I overcame the amputation of my leg, the mm. disability. Hmm. That was my aha moment for that TEDx talk I did, I was talking about. Can you Why explain that a little deeper? Would it, tell, me, tell, tell us what that means. Yeah, so the, the deeper. So I was thinking I was getting it back again, the, my life, my getting back to this, this new, even though I was gonna get an artificial limb, I was gonna have my life back the way I knew it back then. Uh -huh. okay. And when I would share that with people, I would say that, yeah, I thought I was going to get my life back, you know, and I realized I wasn't getting my life back through my leg. That's when people would kind of lift up and go, oh, aha. Uh -huh. and, mm -hmm. the, and, the, and the reason for that was because they were in the same place that I was and believing that getting back to normal is getting back to your leg, getting your, my leg back again. Mm -hmm. But that's normal doesn't even really exist. It maybe exists for the individual but there is really no normal that's, that's out there because we all have different experiences. Okay. So normal to one is different to normal to another person. Mm -hmm. um, so after I figure that out, now I don't know what the future looks like. I only know what my present looks like and my present state is I'm rebuilding. So I'm, I am re, or not re, I'm, I'm going from rebuilding to redefining. I'm now yeah. redefining who I am. Will I show up? in the original fears I had, 
or the fears of the other people that are trying to put me into their box uh -huh. or succumb to the societal pressures that I feel, or is there something on the other side that's greater? Yes. That I don't know. I kind of see it. I, I believe it's there. There's a hope. There is an expectancy on the inside mm -hmm. that I believe there's something that's more powerful, but I don't quite yet see it. Yes. So I have to choose, like you were saying, with the relationships of other individuals possibly that are holding you back into their mindsets. Um, I have to choose what fear will I amputate mm. to embrace this new normal mindset? Wow. Will I hold on to it or will I, am I willing to amputate it? I had a choice in my amputation. Mm. So I chose to amputate, to give myself a greater expectancy, a greater way of life, uh, uh, the more, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, to show up um, in, a, in a higher states of life. Yes. Because without the amputation, I'm in a walker or a wheelchair. Not to say that that's not bad, because there are those that, that live a high state of life in, in walkers and wheelchairs. But if I have an opportunity to be up and walk on an artificial limb, there might be more possibilities for me. Wonderful. Well, I, so I, I now, go ahead. No, see, I, I love what you're sharing there. And um, uh, in, in essence, I think what you're saying that, that, there's, 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 that there's no universal definition of normal. Everyone has their own. Yeah reference of normal. And, and, and I'm sharing that because I want to bring, bring it back to what you shared about COVID. Um, I know that we had a, a, a different conversation or a separate conversation and it was pretty remarkable and eye-opening for me, especially someone who's in diversity. And then you said that uh, you know, everyone's working from home. We all have this shared experience of COVID, but as, as, as we just said here, there've been people with disabilities who have been working from home for, for, for forever. So, so can you, can you uh, talk about that? And, and the fact that you know, it's 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 kind of um, what's the word for the for the people who who don't have disabilities. It's almost a little I don't want to say condescending, but it's it's like you go ahead. Just tell, tell me what you think. So I call people without disabilities. I have categories, right? So I call I call people in in without disabilities tabs temporarily oh, able-bodied right. individuals <laughs> because again, you know at, at some point you'll have a disability. You know, you'll break a leg, arm, whatever. Um, and that's, that's a great observation that people that are living with disabilities, I have some amazing friends who uh, are already, yeah, they work from home, they, they work from their computers, and, and there's nothing new to them for that. So mm -hmm. when you're trying to shift and focus in on that, when you want somebody that's elevated and strategic and already knows the ins and outs and how to look and work in this virtual community, when, you know, I'm, I just put a, a book out, it's coming out on, on um on Sunday, May, I'll date the show. It's on May huh? 17th, right? Uh, 10 power stories to impact any leader. So on that, I, I wrote it, but I also brought in an editor. I, I went to Fiverr and got a, a person to do the, the online um, the book cover. Um, and so I, there's all these people that are out there that can help move you the needle forward in your business um, as a solopreneur or as you're growing a business out there. And, and it's so easy to, to bring in a person with a disability that's already been doing it. Wow. Let's go find it. It's, it's already there. It's the same thing as when we look at curb cutouts. We mm -hmm. think curb cutouts are there for our convenience of riding a bicycle up or push, pushing a shopping cart up. Uh, it's, a, it's a flat graded level. But the yeah. curb cuts were, were built for people in wheelchairs that, that use wheelchairs as a mode of transportation to, to go up 
and hop a curb. That's right. Because there, I mean, there was a story in um, No Pity by Joseph Shapiro of an award that was being given out to a, a, a person in a power chair. They were in New York City, and this is before curb cutouts were there. And he was literally right across the street from where he could enter the building. Uh, and and they, they could not figure out how to get him across the street in the power chair. Wow. There's no curb cutouts. They couldn't get him down and destroy yeah. the chair because the chair is heavy, cross the street, and then back up the other side. Mm. And he's the award, the, the awardee. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, we think about these things. Too. You mentioned text messaging as well. Text messaging, right. So if you cannot, if you can't hear auditory on your, you know, on your smart device, um, and what's it, what was, what, how do you communicate? You do it by texting or, mm -hmm. you know, some, or, or another capability. If, if now, you know, in the movie theater, or whatever, if you, when we get back to movie theaters, um, if we get back to movie theaters, uh, you know, when my daughter, you say, they, they, they tell you to turn off your cell phone, how do people know that they got a call? Light flashes, okay. right? That's, that wasn't done so we could have our cell phones on the movie theater. That was done for people that couldn't hear to know that their phone was ringing. They had a call coming in. Wow. So we just use it for other, other spaces and places, whereas this technology was actually developed for people with disabilities. And think about the um, ingenuity that you can bring to your company by just having a person like that on board or several that are ingrained by their talent and their intellect to move your needle forward. And, and now that segues to my question. Does the quote-unquote able-bodied community have the humility to recognize that, that persons with disabilities are in a position of, of being the experts, uh, for example, working from home and, and, and these technical, technological advances that you're sharing, do we have the um, the humility to go out and say, you know what, I'm going to hire persons with disabilities and put them in positions um, where they're going to be leading others and teaching others, and I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and that kind of ties into the stigma that that unfortunately is attached to persons with disability. Yep. So I'm curious to know what what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think we're growing, right? Uh, we are making strides, but if you look at the the true data, the number, say for example, when George H.W. Bush signs the American with Disabilities Act into law in, the 19, in 1990. We're 30 years past that now. And we have a lot of things that have come into our society that's been based upon uh, the building of the physical space. So we talked about curb cutouts. We talked about the space of technology. Mm -hmm. um, but what we haven't talked about is employment, right? Because in employment, the number really hasn't moved that much. We're talking mm -hmm. about of those that were able to work, in 1990, when George W. Bush signed the ADA into law, there was about 71% unemployment. I may be off by 0.5 on, on that number. And when we look at it now, it's down to about 70%, 71%-ish, right? So we haven't really moved the, the number. However, during that time period, we are looking at the second kind of wave, I would say, the second cresting of the wave with organizations uh, that are beginning to hire and see the value of people with disabilities in the, the immediate workforce. So mm -hmm. companies like Microsoft, Walgreens, Walmart, uh, they are a part of what's called the Disability Equality Index, which is run by Disability In, uh, mm -hmm. and the other group uh, that, that supports it is the American Association for People with Disabilities. 
So these companies, these major global companies are beginning to um, measure themselves with uh, markers that say that they're gonna make strides in progress. Another company I work with, I work with two. Uh, so I'm on the board of directors for the American Association for People with Disabilities. That's one so director, so it's amazing. It's an incredible awesome. group. Um, the second group is um, uh, Get Skilled Access. It's a company out of Australia. And this company is, took my, not my, it's not my, I should say that. I wanted to do something in the United States that really used Paralympic athletes as well as military service injured personnel to show just where you can go. I call it the, the what to wow, mm -hmm. now to how. So when you see Paralympians, mm -hmm. usually like, what's going on here? Wow, I can't believe they just did that. Wow, she's flying a plane. Wow, uh, he, he just ran underneath 11 seconds, 100 meter dash and is totally blind. Wow, you know, so you get this wow factor. So now that you have that information and you are so excited about it, how do you get those individuals on your team, right? So that was my thought. Get Skilled Access was just doing it in Australia. And I said, well, let's just pair up and we can bring it to the United States. Mm -hmm. So we can do, we can look at your web design and see if you're, uh, you know, accessible on the web because we have people that are, ha have hearing loss or who are blind that can actually go through and then we can bring a tool in to help you increase in that, in that capacity. We can bring CEOs into their own company. So take a bank, for example, we did the ANZ bank over in Australia and we walked them through their own, uh, their own bank as a person with a disability by a person with a disability, not so they could see how hard it was to shop or to, to, to get a product, but to see where the holes were for finances. So mm -hmm. this one company said, wow, you know, if, if we have a person that has to put their pin number in and they're in a chair, people from behind them can steal the PIN number. So then they looked at the schematics of how much money they were losing by people's PIN numbers being stolen because of that. And they found it was cheaper to lower the ATMs and build another ATM there for a person with a wheelchair that yeah. could get underneath there um, yeah. for the loss that they were getting um, on people that were stealing PINs. So wow. that, that is, you know, that, that's saving money. Now, you, now you're talking in growth of, you know, a, an $8 million switch around mm -hmm. from loss actually revenue so that's that's what we're talking about and so in that space why this is growing is Accenture just released a report in conjunction with disability in the, the companies that were in there as well as uh, the American Association for people with disabilities AAPD and their report came out and said if you have two like companies and mm -hmm. company a hires retains and promotes people with disabilities and company B does not and they're comp competitors Company A outperforms company B two to one wow. based upon shareholder returns. And if it's over time, it's actually four to one, it's 4X. And so the comptroller of New York State, Mr. Thomas Tenopoli, he saw that announced on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, he, he gave a challenge out in, in Q1 or two of 2019 and said, you know, because we have these trillions of dollars in pension funds for New York city we're going to begin to invest in companies that look like company a versus company b you could have heard a pin drop on mm. the floor at the new york stock exchange that day i was there he shut everybody up when he said that because mm. everybody began to say how can i pivot yes. and not lose this money mm -hmm. that he's investing because he wants he wants double return growth 
and and what you're saying is pretty instructive and i think this is a maybe this is a a, a kind of parting um suggestion to organizations that are listening people that work in hr as myself i know for for for, for me i'm going to go back and make suggestions maybe perhaps there's a um a line in 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 um uh job announcements um open to persons with disabilities and 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 on the other side is actually identifying okay what 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 jobs can actually be done remotely and right. then just actually like purposely um, um, target the, the a person with disabilities and 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 bring them back into the into into the mainstream and and, and help them to get more, more recognition because um uh, this 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 covid this covid experience really really showed us that you know what we don't have to be physically be in the building to be getting to right. get the work done most right. people don't want to be there so 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 is this a wonderful opportunity to really really grasp and put our arms over everybody and not just worry about the people who are now just displaced and have to be at home. So I, I think um, it would be a, a, a really um, good call to action for people who are listening. Say, you know what? If you work in HR, let, let's do this and, and, and let's increase our numbers of persons with disabilities in each organization and, and see what happens. I think that the possibility is there and it's, and it's, a, it's, a great, it's, a, it's the, not even a great thing, it's the right thing to do. Right, well, it's, it's the right thing to do because it's a, it's a force multiplier for your bottom line. You're, right. you're going to make money. You're going to make more money because we know the data shows that people with disabilities, they show up, uh, they do uh, great work, they, they take less sick days than everybody else, mm. um, and their, their, their products, are the, the, the end product looks to be better with the, with the data resource, uh, resources that, that are out there. And they're, they're thinking because they have to show up and operate differently in society, you're getting somebody on your team that is going to think differently That's right. and not the same way, the sterile way as everybody else. So you, you would want that diversity of thought mm -hmm. that's in your organization. And I'm telling you, Microsoft is slaying it right now. Awesome. All these new concepts and things you're seeing out with the gaming systems and, mm -hmm. and that, that's all because they have people with disabilities on their team testing, pushing R&D, and, and they are maximizing it. So, um, so Boeing, Boeing comes in, the, the company, they come in, and I, I think I saw them hire seven people at the Disability In Conference last uh, last year. Um, so they come in, they bring their whole squad uh, because they're like, oh my gosh, this talent pool that's out there and they're figuring it out. So I don't want to hear all y'all saying, where do we find them? You can figure <laughs> that out. If you can find out where you can find the best employees to get, then you can figure out where to go find people with disabilities. I, I will say a good starting place is Disability In and the American Association for People with Disabilities. You can at least begin there. And then in your, maybe in your own state level, you can look at, the mayor's office for people with disabilities in your own hamlets uh in your in your own um, wherever you locate around the uh, the country fantastic thanks for sharing that and, and where can people find you oh yeah that's easy uh johnregister.com is is, my, is kind of where everything starts but i'm on linkedin I, I usually accept pretty much everybody on linkedin uh and i do have a twitter account handle it's at jf register as well as instagram i'm on there but i usually do a lot of posts on Instagram when I'm traveling. I'm not doing a lot of traveling now, so I just kind of forget when I about that. Uh, and then I have a blog talk radio show, which is called um, Life's New Normal Podcast. So that's mm -hmm. out there. You can catch it on, I think, um, what is it? iTunes, okay. it's on my website, and it's on uh, blog talk radio as well. So we do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6.30 in the morning, uh, awesome. Mountain Time, because I'm mm -hmm. in Colorado Springs. 
Uh, we have some amazing guests that come on that just share these incredible stories. We have to get Dr. D on. Dion's got to get on there. Uh, <laughs> you. Is that an invitation? That's an invitation. Absolutely, it's an invitation. I'm, I'm there. I'd be happy to join you. I love it. Um, and and so, then what about the book? Can you say the book again? That you yeah, the book title that's coming out, it's on May 17th, but it may, whenever you listen to this, it's on uh, Kindle on Amazon. It is entitled mm -hmm. 10 Power Stories to Impact Any Leader, Journal Your Way to Leadership Success. Uh, the reason I wrote that book was in my international travels, I found a common thread between all the leaders I spoke with. Mm -hmm. And that was they did not take that time of respite to actually hear their own stories. They kept bringing in other people's stories to huh. drive the conversation that they wanted to have with their team members. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you have your own stories. You should be sharing your own stories in this. Let me show you how to do that and, and find the nuggets and niches that you can bring. You don't want my story. I mean, my story is okay. And it might fit, you know, for something that you want to push. But really, it's your story that's going to uh, to work in times like these. And, and let's let's figure out how to. I can help you jumpstart that with this book of ten power stories to impact the leader. Awesome. Well, I look, I look forward to reading that. And uh, John Register, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thank thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. And uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please go over to um, my iTunes page and actually like this uh, um, conversation. And um, you can reach the Dr. Dion Show also on Facebook, Twitter, and also on LinkedIn. John Register, it was a pleasure. Pleasure. Go forth, inspire your world. Thank you so much. <laughs>